the presentation of anarchism, anarchism. as social philosophy which aims at the emancipation, economic, social, political, and spiritual of the human race. The Anarchist Essays is brought to you by Loughborough University's Anarchism Research Group. For more information on the ARG, see the link in the show notes or follow us on Twitter at ARGLBORO. Is love a synonym for anarchism? Love as a political strategy, anarchism as a praxis of love by Charlotte Lowell. What if I told you that I love you? Would that make a difference? I am determined to believe in a love so principled that it can open possibilities we've never known. Bell Hooks urges us to remember that love is not easy. Rather, true love requires an ongoing commitment to constructive struggle and change. Indeed, even in the most loving relationships, we encounter edges and find friction with one another. Dialectics reminds us that these tensions actually constitute each individual themselves, and furthermore generate progression and change. So, although it is frightening, our political futures depend on our collective capacity to surrender to the self-actualizing process of change, and we can lean on love to find the courage to do so. So, is love a political strategy? Is anarchism an agenda of love? In this essay, I'm placing the political imaginations of radical Black philosophers and foundational feminist scholars into conversation in an attempt to clarify the potential of difference to instantiate and sustain change. Finding resource in Judith Butler's text, Merely Cultural, I justify her interpretation of difference and unity and affirm its usefulness in the political actualization of change, using Angela Davis's lectures on liberation and freedom is a constant struggle as reference. Then I turn to Bell Hook's book, All About Love, to contextualize Butler's approach to difference within the tactical, life-bringing work of intimacy and relationship. And finally, I consult Marquis Bay's book, Anarcho-Blackness, to suggest that anarchism is a practice of love, which asks more from each of us and gives us all something greater in return. While difference of identity or belief is often associated with disruption or standstill, Judith Butler attests that difference creates the very conditions of possibility for movement, nuance, and change. Considering a contemporary political context where identity and difference are blamed for the apparent fracturing of the left, and where identity politics are misinterpreted as inherently factionalizing and sectarian, Butler observes an assumption that identity and universality are fundamentally incompatible, that one cannot exist alongside the other. On the contrary, Identity politics seeks to develop an awareness of unique and personal life situations that emerge from our identities in a way that actually expands our investment in political struggle. In fact, 
Members of the Kambahi River Collective assert that separatism and fragmentation are not viable political analyses or strategies because they leave out far too much and far too many people. So a candid assessment of our identity does not trap us within its limits or inhibit our capacity for critical analysis, but rather widens our scope and our political potential. So how can this be the case? Judith Butler's theorizations on difference and unity give us some insight. Her observations of the contemporary political climate reveal a dynamic in which the moderate left calls for unity while casting a suspicious glance towards both ends of the political spectrum. Both ends, it would seem to the moderate, are devolving into identitarian factions, white nationalist on one end and ever-increasing fractions on the other. However, Butler regards these calls as an effort to impose unity from the outside, which she considers undemocratic and unproductive. She writes that any form of unity that is abstracted from its location in power will necessarily lack the actual tools required to bring about meaningful, persistent change. Butler maintains that the search for unity cannot be resolved through the transcendence or obliteration of difference, because that only reinstitutes subordination as the condition of its own possibility, where unity is dominant and difference is subordinate. So, Butler urges us to recognize difference as a mobilizing and active force that actually provides the basis for all change processes. Unlike factionalization, which regards difference as that which emerges between one identity and another, or that which differentiates one from another. Butler considers the self-difference of movement itself as a constitutive rupture that makes movements possible, and that installs a certain mobilizing conflict as the basis of politicization. So, difference is not the distance between one thing and another, but rather the friction that two things find when coming up against one another. Dialectics, a method of philosophical argument based on discovering the contradictions in phenomena, affirms that these frictions actually produce the very possibility of movement. Without these contradictions, there would be no movement, no process, and no activity. This does not mean that difference produces synthesis. Like love, it's not so easy. Rather, it indicates that one identity may be static until it encounters another. Only then is identity given the opportunity to clarify itself and to make its edges known. It is along these edges where we find potential and define our priorities. It's where we actually put our identities into practice. Butler assures us that unity will not be the synthesis of a set of conflicts, but will be a mode of sustaining conflict in politically productive ways. What she's saying is that difference compels democratic participation. Otherwise, it cannot be worked through. The differences that inevitably emerge between us require that we practice coming into conflict without disintegrating ourselves or dividing from one another. In other words, Encounters with difference give us the opportunity to maintain personal and even political boundaries without foregoing the possibility of convergence. In this way, 
Difference welcomes us to develop a sense of alliance with conflictual encounter so that our political movements may learn to articulate their goals under the pressure of each other without therefore exactly becoming each other. Difference requires that we act with personal integrity and self-esteem, asserting ourselves in accordance with those values, beliefs, and experiences that shape our identity. Only then can we make something constructive out of conflict. Coming into and emerging through conflict is a process essential to self-exploration and self-discovery. In the same way that difference is the condition of possibility of identity, self-assertion is critical to self-understanding. However, Bell Hooks notes that people are often socialized to understand conflict as the setting for put-downs and humiliation, the place where we are shamed. We learn that being in conflict is equivalent to being bad. Instead of being celebrated for the courage and honesty we express during conflict, we learn to practice avoidance or aggression, and we develop an incompetent approach to self-assertion. We do not know how to negotiate ourselves against the tension of other human beings. So, what does this indicate about our present political reality? Angela Davis writes about how the site of the prison replaces any real attempt to address the most pressing social problems of our time. The prison is a place to put, quote, bad people, but it's not a place to consider work with, and move beyond the actual behaviors or conditions of harm that made bad things possible in the first place. In this way, the prison's very existence forecloses the kinds of discussions that we need in order to imagine the possibility of eradicating those behaviors and conditions. In this way, The prison's very existence forecloses the kinds of discussions that we need in order to imagine the possibility of eradicating those behaviors and conditions. Certainly, those discussions would require conflict, conversation, reconciliation, and a commitment to seeing the strategy through. This is precisely what Bell Hooks describes when she writes that true love is an ongoing commitment to constructive struggle and change. When it comes to love, we are falsely conditioned to invest in the fantasy of effortless union. But just like sustaining any political movement, sustaining love takes work. Moreover, true love requires a commitment to being changed being acted upon by the beloved in a way that enables us to be more fully self-actualized. True love is risky because it necessarily reveals those aspects of ourselves we may wish to deny or hide. But Hooks insists that it is through and within true love that we find the courage to risk. Yes, love is terrifying. It requires so much of us and it gives us so much back. In many ways, this is not so different from the anarchist political imagination, which asks us to give more of ourselves to receive more in return. Marquise Bay conceptualizes anarchism as a radically imaginative and generative, creative and world-building political vision that emphasizes consent rather than coercion, self and communal governance, the advancement of direct action, 
the advocacy for the dismantling of all hierarchies and expressed global solidarity with all who are oppressed and subject to hierarchical tyranny. This worldview incorporates praxis like the abolition of policing and the abolition of the prison system. Lorenzo Camboa Irvin writes that in an anarchist world, prisons, courts, and police would be replaced with community-run programs and centers interested solely with human regeneration and social training. We would encounter one another constantly in all of our mistakes and shames with a sincere and unwavering commitment to help each other to achieve each of our goals of self-unfoldment. In other words, we would encounter one another with love. Sadia Hartman wonders, is love a synonym for abolition? I think it might be. Certainly, our politics must be lived out in our bodies. Otherwise, they escape us. They are intangible and ultimately ineffective. We cannot separate the articulation of ideas that would govern how we envision the future from actually enacting that future. The way I understand it, the future comes together in the present through the choices and actions we take in the current moment. So while an abolitionist world is not yet accessible, we make do in the meantime, trusting that the things done in the interim may not have the look of complete abolition, but are nonetheless in service of that end. And in fact, we might refuse endings altogether, believing that difference and tension form the basis of a more expansive and dynamic political impulse, and that these unexpected formations will create the futures of our wildest dreams. To get there, we practice care, aid, participation, and non-authority, and we invest in the most localized structures of life and livability, which are our own bodies and relationships. Maybe then, love is the way that we practice our political visions iteratively, celebrating each turning form and the possibilities each output generates. We meet those that we love in conflict and care, and we create something meaningful from the frictions between us. I think of so many electric moments of connection and resonance that I've experienced when I look in the eyes of those I love. Are these bursting instances of clarity and recognition what Judith Butler means when she writes that perhaps universals only become possible for a time, flashing up in a sense, when people or social movements offer up their points of convergence to one another against a background of ongoing contestation. Inevitably, we will find more frictions, encounter further contestation, but that's okay, as long as we do not expect or rely on conclusions. Marquise Bay affirms that refusing an end allows for a perpetual openness that enables always the possibility of another beginning. This position, which is itself only an insistent movement towards infinitude, is precarious. It requires that we submit to the turbulence of powerlessness. And knowing and keeping true love demands that we surrender our compulsion towards control. So 
we sacrifice our old selves in order to be changed by love, and we surrender to the power of the new. What we find in return is the power of self-actualization and co-creation, the bold and courageous experience of being known, being loved, and being changed utterly. This essay is full of incredible references to a number of books and essays, including Anarcho-Blackness, Notes Towards a Black Anarchism by Marquise Bay, the essay Merely Cultural by Judith Butler, the lecture Recurring Philosophical Themes in Black Literature by Angela Davis, the book Freedom is a Constant Struggle, also by Angela Davis, the Kambahi River Collective Statement, written by Demita Frazier, Beverly Smith, and Barbara Smith, the book Anarchism and the Black Revolution by Lorenzo Kamboa Irvin, the essay The End of White Supremacy, an American Romance by Sadia Hartman, and the book All About Love by Bell Hooks. Thank you for listening. To help others find Anarchist Essays, please rate and review us wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're interested in anarchist ideas, why not check out the journal Anarchist Studies? For over 20 years, Anarchist Studies has been publishing original research on the history, theory, and practice of anarchism. For more information, visit www.lwbooks.co.uk forward slash anarchist studies.